0: And what happens is, if you invest good quality time in interventions that actually work, you're going to spend less time trying to make corrections later on. This is episode 126. We welcome you to the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Siope Kinikini. Hello, my friends. How are you? I hope everything is going well. Thank you for joining me. My name is Siope. I am the host of the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. And we are now going to be talking about scheduling time. And now that things are opening up, in a lot of the areas around the world, children are going back to school part time or for a few days a week. And parents are struggling right now in knowing how to get their child motivated in the morning to get up, to get going, and to start their day. But this isn't unique for this time. In fact, parents have always had problems with getting their kids up in the morning and getting them motivated to go to school. And it just seems like it's such a hassle sometimes. Children tend to fight it. We look at a lot of different factors that lead to our understanding of why children struggle in the morning to get up and get going, get moving. And yet parents have learned over time to be able to do that. So this podcast is dedicated actually to Lashana, a parent that I have been working with on scheduling the time in the morning for her son. She works, single mother, and her son needs to get up and he needs to be out of the door at a very specific time in order for her to drop him off and make it to work. So she has a set schedule on what she needs to do for the day and getting her son motivated and out the door and ready to go always seems to be an issue because she will ask him to get up in the morning, he will be slowly getting up, And what she feels should only take a couple of minutes to do, like brush his teeth or wash his face, it seems like he is distracted and he is unable to complete the task. So we're going to be talking about time, specifically about time, and I'm going to introduce you to a study that was released just last year, peer-reviewed on time and our perceptions of time. And this is particularly important because children and adults see time very differently and we experience it very differently. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but I'm also going to give you the skills that you need to help you get your children out of the door or out of bed so they can do what they need to do. So this is all dedicated to Lashana. Thank you for letting me use your name during this podcast, and I'm excited to talk about it. So we're going to talk first about our perceptions of time. Now, in a study that was done, it was peer reviewed and it has been published in the European Journal. It's important to understand that uh, time, in the way that we perceive it as adults, is very different than the way children perceive it. The professor's name is Adrian Behan, and what he postulates is there is a difference between mind time and clock time. In our youth, Time seems to move much more slowly. while well, as we age, adults feel like time is moving much more quickly. Now, this is mind time, the way we perceive time around us. So, for children, time seems to go by much more slowly. Things are not in a hurry. That's why you can see your child getting up in the morning like a turtle. It's just a tortoise pace. They're just struggling to get things going. They're just not moving as fast as you want. And adults see time as being very fast, like things are happening super, super fast. Now, in his study, he postulated that the older we get, the faster time seems to go. And he found that when we are young, we receive more images and stimulation throughout the day, and as we get older, we receive less. So, I wanted to read some of the information about the study here because I think it's important for you to understand our different perceptions of how time works. So, he did this study based off of visual perception because the way that children learn is through visual, through audio, but visual tends to be really important. I mean, when we think about a memory usually images will pop up into our heads. And so the visual part of our ability to learn something is very big, which is why we emphasize role-playing, we emphasize you modeling a specific behavior for a child. Whatever you want your child to do, you should be able to do it too, so you can show them. They need to visually see it. And that's because they can process that a lot more quickly and more efficiently than if we try and explain something to them. So, he was looking at the way that we perceive time based on visuals. So, like frames in a movie, the more frames one sees in a second, the slower the image appears to pass. And the fewer frames one sees per second, the faster the image seems to move. In other words, slow motion reveals many more frames per second than normal motion or fast motion. Professor Behan asserts that as we age, our brain's neurovisual memory formation equipment slows and lays down fewer frames per second. That is, more actual time passes between the perception of each new mental image. So children, on the other hand, children perceive and lay down more memory frames or more mental images per unit of time than adults. So when they remember events, that is, the passage of time, they recall more visual data. This is what causes the perception of time passing more rapidly as we age. When we are young, each second of actual time is packed with many more mental images relative to our older selves. So, like a slow-motion camera that captures many more frames per second than a regular speed one, and time appears to pass more slowly when the film is played. Now, the root cause of this is subjective. Temporal gear shifts, Beckon argues, is that the size and complexity of our brain's neural networks increase as we mature and continue to age. This means electrochemical signals must traverse greater distances and span more pathways, thus slowing signal processing. Moreover, aging causes nerves to accumulate damage, that creates greater resistance to the flow of signals, further slowing processing time. So let me explain that in layman's terms. But what he is basically saying here is that when you are young, you are absorbing so much more information in the same amount of time that it seems as though time is going much more slowly. Whereas as you age, your brain has evolved and developed to not process as much, and so time seems to go by a lot slower than it did when you were younger. So your distractibility, your child's inability to focus on a task at hand, is them absorbing information, which thus, it feels like time is slow to them. Like, they're able to absorb more than when you are able to do when you are older. It's a a fascinating study. And in fact, it's a study that has bled over into other fields, which includes the way that children perceive time and the way that adults perceive time and the behavioral implications of those. So when a parent comes into a room and says, we have 15 minutes 15 minutes to a child can mean something completely different than what a parent perceives 15 minutes to be. In fact, what they found is if you sit a child down and you have them close their eyes and you say, okay, I want you to count for a minute and then tell me when you think the minute is up and not give them any indication of the time, they usually will come to you before the minute is over and say, that's been a minute usually around the 39 to 47 second range, they'll come up and say, yeah, minutes passed. Whereas if you do the same experiment with an older person, they will actually sit and they can sit through a minute and they will be off maybe probably about 10 seconds, but they usually make it to the one minute and it can go 10 seconds over. So adults perceive time differently than children. So when a parent comes into a room, they're like, okay, we have fifteen minutes, you need to hurry. Of course it's going to be a different perception of what the time is, how much time they have left, what is, you know, helpful for them to get them going and moving. For the parent it's like, hey, you need to do this, 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 this. It's a checklist of things to do because it is measured in the time units based off of a parent's perception of time. However, a child's perception of time is different. And so when you say 15 minutes, that can mean a range of different things to a child. They're just unsure exactly what that means, which creates chaos because not only is your child not completing the task, it builds the frustration a parent may be feeling. And that also causes some issues with the relationship because mom is upset and angry and yelling and child is not understanding why it's like you're speaking two different languages, but you guys are speaking two different languages because mom is on clock time and child is on mind time. So it's a fascinating study. And in fact, it's one that I think is helpful for you. The reason that I'm sharing this is because it's important for parents to understand this dynamic When you want your child to complete a task, it is very important that you take into consideration a lot of different factors. They're not doing things because they're lazy or they hate you or distracted. There may be physics involved. There may be other things involved in why things are not occurring the way that you want them to. And once we understand those things, we can tailor what we do and how we interact to best. Help them. Now, I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do to get your child to perceive the time that you are giving them in the morning appropriately based off of what you're running off of. So, adults running on clock time, remember your child's on mind time. How do we bring those things together? How do we? bring a cohesive unit together, a family together. I'll share with you my story with Shana and how that worked out for her. Lashana called and she has a five-year-old son. They get up in the morning. uh, He's returning to school. She is frustrated in the mornings because she has to be at work at a certain time. And if she's not out of the door... At a specific time, she just is going to be late, and she can't afford to continue, continue to be late to work. And her biggest frustration is she's tried multiple things to get her son motivated in the morning to get him going. So she'll come in and she'll give him reminders, verbal reminders, and say, hey, you have five minutes. I need you to make your bed, get your clothes on, you know, wash your face, brush your teeth. The list, the list that every parent has their child do in the morning. And so she'll leave, she'll come back a minute later because she knows she needs to check in every minute, and he will still be sitting there, not doing anything. In fact, the last time I talked with Lashana, she said her son was just sitting on the bed looking out the window. Which caused her to be frustrated and (laughs) upset. So she's like, What do I do? I just don't get it. What am I supposed to do? What should I do in order to help him? And what's interesting is as we started to explore this understanding of mind time and clock time, we had to come up with a plan that would work for both of them to bring them in on the same page. So I made some recommendations for her on ways that she can help him measure the time more consistently. So we chose to focus on the skill of the ABCs of behavior. Now, if you don't know what the ABCs of behavior are, I'm going to explain it because it's important for you to know what they are. So ABCs, A, B, and C, all those letters stand for something. You have your antecedent, you have your behavior, and then you have the consequence or the result. So when a parent is only reacting in the behavior mode when your child is misbehaving, the parent is missing out on other opportunities to engage with the child to shape and change their behaviors. If you can engage your child in the antecedent phase of a behavior before the behavior happens, then you have more latitude. If you deal with it after the behavior happens, then you have more latitude to make corrections. A lot of parents only focus on the behavior. They don't focus on the five minutes before or the five minutes after the behavior happens. Yet those are time periods that are super effective for you to work with your child on making corrections. So if you're able to recognize the antecedents, then you can recognize behaviors that may happen, or you can address them during the consequences because your child's unable to follow. So Lashana and I were talking about that. What are the antecedents to the behaviors? And a lot of times people focus on the negative behaviors, but here we're going to focus on the positive behaviors. So with Lashana and her son, what are the positive behaviors we want to see? We had to define those. So definition, I want my son to wake up, get out of bed, which is a physical thing. I want him to stand up. Now, we had to break this down in a way that was super simple for a son to know what to do and how to do it. And in fact, if you're wondering how to do that, you have to ask yourself the question, can I physically show my son what I want him to do? If you can physically show your son what you want them to do, that is a good indicator that that's a good behavior that you want them to emulate, right? So in initially talking with Lashana, she had mentioned, yeah, I want my son to wake up. Okay, when we say wake up to a child, is that clear? No, waking up can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Does it mean your eyes are open? Does it mean you're... And again, we're working off of the ability of the child to comprehend what it is we want them to do. So we had to break that down. Okay, can you show me, explain to me, what is the physical action or movement, the behavior that you want your child to exhibit when they are waking up? So it was to sit up and stand up. Okay, so sit up and stand up. That is the first part of the behavior. Okay, so what are some antecedents that we can implement in order to get him motivated to get up and stand up, right? So, we went through this, and then what are the results from that, if he's able to do that? With Lashana, we had to layer these. So, we had to define the behavior that she wanted him to exhibit, which was sit up, stand up, and then we thought, okay, what ways can we motivate him to do that beforehand? Okay, And then what things can we do as a result if he's able to do those things would be a positive. Now for him, it was easy because he had a chore chart in his room. Now remember, children are visual. And this is a visual way for them to perceive the world around them and gather information. He was able to add something to the chore chart if he's able to stand up. Because you can't add it if he's lying in bed, right? So we put in a motivation system centered around the result and the antecedent. So what we did for the antecedent was Lashana was going to come into the room and and wake him up and say, hey, I need you to sit up, stand up, and go put a sticker on on the wall for getting up. So as you can see, we've addressed that. Mom was going to serve as the antecedent. She was going to remind him, hey, you have an opportunity to go stick your sticker on your chart and begin the day that way. He had to get up, which is the behavior, and then the result is him getting up and actually sticking the sticker on there. Now, this may sound super simplified, but of course, we're dealing with a five-year-old, and so we're working on their level. We're working at a level that they can understand and that they can do, like they can actually do and feel motivated by. Now, once that happened, I wanted to add on an additional consequence or result to that behavior. And that was that I wanted mom to praise him whenever he put his sticker on there, because this is an immediate act, right? You need to get up, oh, go put your your sticker on the wall. And so by putting that on, then mom can praise him and tell him, hey, you know, you were able to sit up, stand up, walk over here, put the sticker on the wall. That's great. Look at your chart right now. You already have one star right there. Isn't that amazing? You've started off in a good way. That's great. Now let's move on to the next thing, which was I need to go in the bathroom and start doing everything that you need to do to prepare for school. Now, when I was talking to Lashana, she's like, this is going to take a lot of time. And I said, well, that's the thing with parenting. You, you have to invest the time. You have to invest the time. And what happens is if you invest good quality time in interventions that actually work, you're going to spend less time trying to make corrections later on. So either way, you're going to be spending time, but do you want to spend time up front, get it taken care of, and then move on to other things? Or do you want to consistently have a battle with it, right? And I told her, and I guaranteed to her, if you're able to do this for a week, just one week, you're going to see changes happening with him in his morning routine. And so she said, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. It sounds simple enough. And we didn't start with more than just that. In fact, the only thing we wanted him to do for the first week was to sit up, stand up, go over, put the sticker on the wall, and then have mom praise him for that. So mom would remind him that was the antecedent. The behavior is him sitting up, standing up, and then the result was him going and putting the star on the wall. She praised him for those, she did it for a couple of days, and then she found that he was able to get up on his own. In fact, he was motivated to get up on his own. And she noticed that there was a better and more positive attitude from her son afterwards, because it is this idea that, hey, I've accomplished something, and the day just started. It actually put him in a positive mindset. This is why I recommend for parents to make your bed when you get up in the morning, it's a very simple thing to do. doesn't take a ton of time, but there is a sense of accomplishment once it's done. And you start your day that way. You start your day on a positive note, and then you can build from that. So having that positive start off the day, then we started to include more and more things into the list. We wanted to focus in on things that he could do immediately and that were smaller and then build from there. This is the best way to do it for children. You're going to take some time, but you'll find that children are adept and they're going to be able to learn fairly quickly and move forward. Now, are we changing the child's perception of time? They're still on their mind time, right? We are operating on clock time and our mind time, but what we've done is we've fused a behavioral intervention into both of those time mindsets in order to bring about change that will be beneficial for both parties, especially for her son as he grows older and starts to develop and he he starts to really understand clock time. Fascinating, fascinating ability for Lashana to implement this. And she saw things change in the very first week, which was amazing. Absolutely amazing for her. For me, I've seen this happen a lot of times. And so we're able to move forward. Now, we're talking about a five-year-old right now, but I want to talk about how you can implement this with a teenager, a child who's a little bit older, how you can implement some techniques or things to get them motivated in the morning. So, let's talk about that after this break. Do you need to take a parenting class? Do you need a certificate for that parenting class? Sign up for our online parenting class. Watch our lesson videos, complete quizzes, and download class assignments all from your home. Visit the Smarter Parenting website under the Coaching tab and sign up for the silver, gold, or platinum level to access the class. So we've talked about Lashana and her five-year-old son, which was fantastic for them to start seeing changes. Now again, Lashana is willing to pay the price up front. So she's doing this now in order to avoid prolonging this into other areas. And if you know anything about how children grow Once they incorporate something that works well for them, they want to stick with that. So this is going to translate into other areas as he grows. And because she's already done some of the work up front, it will be easier to make adjustments as he gets older. Now, if you have a teenager or an older kid that is going through the same process, there's a lot more going on in relation to emotional balance are they getting enough rest i mean this this also applies for younger children but there's a greater possibility there are other stressors that are involved because their world has grown and they've started to include outside influences in their overall daily processing so it's important for you to take some time but the abc's of behavior still apply in your ability to intervene with them you want to be able to use a range of opportunities to engage with your child to change their behaviors rather than just focusing in on the behavior. If you're just walking in the room and yelling because they're not done getting ready, you're missing out on the opportunity to intervene before and prepare them or after. Now there's another family that I've been working with that we've started to implement things into the morning routine as motivators. So one of the things is they have a pet fish that needs to be fed and taken care of, and this is motivating for their older child. So saying, hey, Polly needs to, Polly's the name of the fish, Polly needs to eat and needs uh, food, so start that first and then get, get everything taken care of with getting ready. That is a way that parents are able to intervene or get their child up and get them going You want to be creative, and you want to see the things that are of interest to your child, things that are draw their attention, and incorporate those things. Don't think that everything exists outside of everything else. Your child is a whole person that includes a lot of different things, and there are a lot of different aspects to their interests, and if you can use an interest that they have in order to help shape their behavior, that's going to be helpful. So evaluate and see. For this family and feeding their pet, that was a helpful thing because that was one of the things that this child enjoyed was seeing the fish come up and get food. It was as simple as that. And this is an older child, not a five-year-old, but an older child. You'd be surprised what things can be motivating for some other children. Even though you grow up, there there may be some things that work. There is one child that likes to bake and likes to make food for his family. So. We implemented with this family that he would make something that he could share for breakfast the next day. So the idea is that the parent would go in and the antecedent is to prepare and then look for the behavior and then the result or the consequence of that. The parent would go in and remind the child, hey, we made this last night. You need to go put it in the oven so we can enjoy it for breakfast. Now, can you see how that ties into his interests? But we're getting the behavior of him getting up and getting out of bed to go do that and then coming back and starting the morning routine. If we can get our children to do something that is successful, the very first thing that they do in the morning, the more likely they are to have a positive day and also the more likely they are to do what they need to do in the morning. It's really important that parents take the time to focus in on these types of interventions where we're being inclusive to their interests and to what they like in order to help them move forward. That one I found was super helpful. And you may have to switch them out every once in a while. But the family that we did the breakfast idea with is they made a breakfast thing that you stick in the oven and it just needs to be warmed up. So the night before, he would prepare something for breakfast. And then it would be ready and he would just have to go and put it in. But that was the first thing he had to do because that's something that he enjoyed. That's something that he enjoyed. And from there, praise happens. Great job getting up and getting that ready for the family's going to love it. You made it. How great. Okay, now get ready. Because once a child is up, then it's easier for them to keep going and be motivated to do the other things that they need to do. Now, for teenagers, you're going to have to probe a little bit. So if there's a child that is willfully neglecting to go to school, there may be multiple things and you're going to have to dig to find out reasons why. And those can be multi-layered because there are a lot of things that may be happening. There may be hormonal things that are happening, medical things that may be happening. Bullying may be happening. And this could happen at any age. But you'll want to dig a little bit deeper and ask questions and probe and find out more information about why they are struggling to get up and go to school. But again, whatever you decide to do as far as motivating your child, you have to use things that are of interest to them. And this, again, is helping us understand how we can work with children, especially younger children who work on a different clock than we do, right? This, this podcast was geared towards addressing that. But children change and they grow and they start to understand there are things that are timed and you need to complete things in a certain time frame. And this may be just an adjustment as well of children trying to cope with the transition from their mind time to clock time. Understanding those and using reasons or rationales around why clock time is important in the world and why the world operates on clock time. Those conversations are things that you can have with your older children. The older children will be able to grasp those things. It's important that you show up on your job on time because boom, boom, boom. And it's important for you to you know complete an assignment on time because boom, boom, boom. They'll be able to grasp those concepts a lot better. So, yeah, absolutely fascinating time. I do highly suggest you you sit back and enjoy the time that you do have with your children. I want you to think about the limited time that we have with our children. And remember that as your children are young, because time seems to be moving slower for them, their perception of time, it is so important to engage with them in positive ways because those are the memories they're going to keep with them as they grow spend some time. And you may think, oh, I should have spent like an hour doing this with my child. Your child isn't measuring that at all. Your child is measuring what emotions am I feeling in this moment with this person? In what ways do I feel safe and do I feel loved? Those are the things that are going to be of memory. You don't find adults who remember their childhood and think, yeah, you know, my, I sat down and it took 45 minutes to do that, and then it took another 30 minutes. That doesn't happen until later. <laughs> but when you have small children and they are on their own mind time, their perception of time, it's important for you to fill that time with as much positivity, as much love, as much engagement as possible be very mindful. You're operating on two different versions of time, and neither one is absolutely right or absolutely wrong. It's all just part of the growing and learning process. You just need to help your child transition into a more appropriate time, and there are ways to do that and to motivate them to learn to manage their time, manage their time. And this is a topic we're going to visit again in this podcast because it is important for you to help your child learn how to manage their time and how they're able to do things in an appropriate time frame, okay? So we're going to revisit this in the future, look for it. But in the meantime, I want you to take a look at the ABCs of behavior and really expand your interactions with your child. You have a time before the behavior, you have the behavior, and then you have the consequence of the behavior. All three of those areas are areas where you can work with your child to help change and shape their behaviors. So if you can do it in all three of those areas, you're going to see greater change happening. I'm excited for you. Thank you for spending this time with me. And I'm grateful for you. Thank you for listening in and for the questions and the comments that you send to us. I am always appreciative of hearing from parents and hearing about the concerns that they have. So keep sending those in if you have any questions and sign up for coaching. That's it for me. I'll see you again next week.